Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, bangers. Hannah here. Just a quick announcement before we start the actual book discussion podcast. But we are doing a live recording. That's right. The Banging Book Club are going to be live and you can come too. You can come and watch and listen to us record a live podcast. It is going to be happening on Thursday the 24th of August and me, Lena and Lucy are going to be with Juno Dawson because Juno is the author of The Gender Games which is the book that we are reading in August and so we are going to be chatting to her about the book and interviewing her and it's just all gonna be amazing talking about gender and sex and all that good stuff we will leave a link in the description to this podcast to where you can get tickets they are 15 pounds but alternatively you can go to the banging book club's twitter at banging book club and the link to tickets is the pinned tweet so you can also find it that way if that's easier for you also the banging book club now have a facebook page so you can head over there and go like that and there is also an event page for the live show with Juno Dawson. So you can go ahead and click attending and you can share it with all your friends and invite them. Do people still use Facebook? I use Facebook all the time for events. That's like how I know that anything is going on. So there's an event for that. We really hope to see you there. It's going to be an amazing night and we are so excited to start doing live recordings. We really want this to be a thing that we do. So please come, please come along, validate us. That would be great. That's Thursday, the 24th of August at 7pm. The Banging Book Club plus Juno Dawson. Okay, plug over, on with the podcast. We are rolling. Oh, hey, bangers. Oh, Hello. It's weird. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> it's weird. Like I was trying to seduce them. <laughs> I instantly regretted it. Hello and welcome to the Banging Book Club, the fortnightly podcast where we read books about sex and gender and discuss them. My name's Lena Norms. My name's Lucy Moon. And I'm Hannah Whitten. Woo! I'm between a rock and a hard place today because <laughs> Lucy is very hormonal and Hannah is a bit ill. Yeah, so I have two ulcers in my mouth currently and I just put some like Bongel and numbing cream on them. So I'm going to be talking weird and it will also be painful for me to talk. Hot, hot, hot. And Lucy, I was told by my doctor this morning that when I miss a pill, I should take two. I missed yesterday. So today for the first time in my life. 
I took two pills. Are you twice the woman now? Lizzie? I am an angry fucking feminist today, and I, I don't ever really get incensed Lucy by is much. Furious. I feel really, really moody, and I'm so sorry. To, I'm into so, it. To I'm gonna babysit these two little feminist spirits and see if we get through this podcast. So this month we read Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on it. Don't worry. Um, And um, for those of you who haven't read it, I'll give you a really brief overview. Interrupt me, guys, if I get it wrong. Also, this book was recommended to us by listeners. When we we reached out to people at the end of last year asking what we should read in 2017, this was uh, one of the books that was recommended, and none of us had heard of it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... That is our general preference. Yeah. Of and like, I think this we, is a new book. We're when like, we were Ooh. picking books, I remember reading the blurb and being like, yes, that one. That sounds great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and so, you fought for it, I feel like, when we were doing our deciding. That? Yeah. <laughs> the, the way we picked this very professional podcast, guys, was that we got loads of post-it notes, wrote down all the books on them, and then put, like stuck them all to my... Um, fireplace. To we my fireplace. Do have a picture of that? Yeah, I'll tweet it if you want. I literally just stuck them to my mantelpiece, and then we like wiggled them around for about five hours until we yeah. decided. Yeah. But yeah, I was really... I really I, th- I think this one sounded really good and turned out to be really, really good as well. So I'm really glad that we read it. Yeah. So Juliet Takes a Breath is about Juliet, who is a 19-year-old gay uh, Puerto Rican uh, woman living in uh, from the Bronx, New York. And she's just spent her first year at college. That's American college. And the book starts with... Uh, basically like a fan letter from Juliet to Harlow Brisbane, who is the author of this book, Raging Flower, that Juliet has read and it basically changed her life. It was all about uh, women and feminism and pussy. Harlow is known as the pussy lady throughout the book. Um, And then as a result of this letter, Harlow offers Juliet an internship with her in Portland, Oregon for three months over the summer. Uh, Juliet accepts comes out as gay to her family, and then gets on a plane. That is a great synopsis. And then the book is basically the story of what happens over that summer. Yeah. It's the internship. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a very much a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's oh, one of we our questions. questions. But I think... We have a lot of questions. Yeah. And one of the things that we should say is that this book covers a lot of themes. And um, it covers uh, what it means to be a woman, femininity all of that kind of stuff, uh, a lot of LGBTQ uh, queerness stuff, and then there's a whole ton of race stuff in it, whole ton of family, religion, spirituality stuff in it. Basically a lot, and we are three <laughs> white straight women, but we also are three white straight men who have read this book, so we're going to discuss it and discuss all of the themes, but recognizing that we come from a place of extreme privilege and we don't we've never lived Mm. this life and i mean for me it was just like cool i don't think i've ever read a book from this specific perspective before so that was really cool for me and also um a big part of the book is about um the main character dealing with white feminism Mm -hmm. and yeah we will discuss that in depth shall we do a noise review let's yes um hannah would you like to go first um, yeah, okay, Ugh, my noise review of this book is... <laughs> I was going through very specific emotions with each sound I made, and it was all Yeah, I feel like head. I was, yeah, I went on a journey with you right then. Okay, my sound review is... Oh, 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 oh,
I'm into it. I like it. Yeah. And my, Lucy. My sound review is... Did you hear oh, that? Yeah. Oh, well, I heard it. it. I don't know if they did. Oh. <laughs> that was very ASMR. Because wow. it was like a... Pop. Yeah. Did it pop well, your cherry it, boy you doing reason? like a, a light bulb. Yeah, like a light bulb. Yeah. Ding. But also like discovery yourself. Maybe popping a cherry. Maybe clicking a uh, piece of Lego into place. Oh, the clicks as well. Oh yeah, yeah the clicks got referenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that can count as well. It's like yeah. a, a, a sharp bodily noise. Mm. Yeah. So this book Not is set a year after 9-11. Yes. I then had to look up when the book was written because I was like, mm. oh, so this book may have got published in 2003? No, 2016. <laughs> this book was published. But I think there's lots of like really, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. It felt like a very, very modern book. Yes. And but here's the thing. Like I was thinking like, oh, um, it feels like a modern book. Yes, it was written in 2016. But then in my head, I'm like, I'm 25 and only in the last like two three years have I been learning about intersectionality within feminism Mm. even though I've like basically been a feminist my whole life and this book made me think like do you know what um I don't know how old Gabby Rivera is but she's probably older than us maybe she was 19 in 2002 so I'm like people were having these conversations before we even knew these conversations existed and we've got mm. a lot of catching mm. up to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this book is very, judging from, did you guys read the acknowledgements? Yeah. Um, it's a it. very autobiographical book mm. because she literally, uh, the author literally doing that. looks to certain experiences she had in her life, thanks the people who gave them to her and says, this inspired this particular part. Yeah, of or like, this part is you. Oh, yeah, wow. this is your yeah, party. And each character is like, like they're, they're even the Harlow. equivalent of a Harlow, yeah. Oh wow, and stuff. Like oh, we that. need to read that book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is what is Raging Fire based off? Is it Vagina by I, Naomi Wolf? That's literally. <laughs> I was like literally like picturing oh, Naomi Wolf. Yeah, I can tell you the name of the. I was literally oh thinking like, oh, this is the fictional equivalent of the book that we read last it's year. It's a bit Vagina. more extreme. It's, I also yeah, think the Naomi yeah. Wolf is a scientist and Harlow is a hippie. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but it, to, to me, I like mm. drew parallels even though I was like, but Vagina is more scientific. Yeah. Okay. Well, the acknowledgement is, thank you to Inga Muschio for taking a chance on a persistent young Latina in the Bronx who wanted to learn everything about feminism. Thank you for sitting with me in your attic and talking to me about the mysteries of the universe and the power I held within my body. Wow. This is very much based on a person, mm. from the sounds of that. Write what you know. Yeah, yeah, very true. Okay, so I've got some questions. Let's dive Let's right dive in. in. The first question, because I thought I'd go, we'd go in soft, you know, just something to warm us up. Mm. Are we racist? <laughs> yeah. Real question, guys. Well, I would say that we would never say, yes, I'm racist, but we all have, like, unconscious biases. Yeah. It. Yeah, it's such a weird question for me to ask myself, because I think, like... I mean, like, when obviously you, not. When you say, like, yeah. are you something, obviously my intention is to not be racist. But when, you know, so if, if I go, oh, I'm a racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds intentional. It sounds like something that I'm choosing to do. But at the same time, if, if somebody, somebody like, somebody asks me if I'm racist in the context of this book, I'd go, maybe sometimes I am. Maybe I raise people. Yeah. Maybe I don't think about things. Maybe I assume things. Maybe I... But also the differences, like, between the noun and the verb. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that any of us are racists as in the noun but mm. probably at some point in our lives we have been racist yeah like whether intentionally or unintentionally racism is a doing word god yeah anyway do you say it was newton faulkner is it no it's massive attack oh yeah because he covered it oh good lord right <laughs> <laughs> is it newton faulkner the white guy with dreadlocks yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I can stay in. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I was live racing. Lisa, didn't you used to have dreadlocks? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? We can um, if you want. Can I... I took them out again. Yeah, yeah, you did take them out again. Basically, I moved to London, met people who weren't white, straight people from Coventry, and was like, oh, I didn't, I never met, oh. Yeah, (laughs) because I think the kind of... Genuinely. Stuff like microaggressions and shit that we probably do on the regular, a lot of the time without even realising, are a result of um, the society we were brought up in and Mm -hmm. taking on societal norms Mm -hmm. and also lack of education. Mm -hmm. And so we... As a res- I think we kind of have a responsibility, especially after reading this book, I think this, but also with SOAS shit, um, we have a responsibility to educate ourselves as much as we can. Yeah, so. like reading this to me, it was just like, oh, I, I want to seek out so many more stories mm. like this. Yeah. And listen to people. Yeah. Mm. I think, yeah, I don't listen enough. Mm. And that's bad. I think as well we have to think of it like it's so it's this really like ever changing terrain like I have to remind myself that I would I didn't have my own access to the internet till I was 19. Mm. Like I didn't I had a computer in the living room that I was you know it was allowed to go on but my parents were watching me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have pod- podcasts didn't exist. You know like it's this thing of being like okay like but now we've published. been given this great yeah books yeah. like that weren't published like it didn't happen. Um but now we've been given this gift of the internet. Yeah, and I'm sure there's the thing is as well I definitely have been schooled by people 10 years younger than me Mm. (laughs) definitely have learnt been schooled Mm. by them been corrected by them and I'm really like open to that because they've you know yeah what about the racism in the context of this book then Um, because one of the things that I noticed in it was that um, a lot of like wait first of all what labels are we using I know in the book they use people of Mm colour but in the UK that's kind of awkward it's politically, so, it's not politically correct in the UK. So I think, mm-hmm. are we going to use um, BAME? Yeah, I would so, say, yeah. So BAME, BAME is Black, Black, Asian, Minority, Ethnic. And that's kind of like the equivalent of POC in the UK mm-hmm. for international American listeners. Um, but it felt like to me in this book that Juliet is very aware of her race, mm-hmm. ethnicity. Um, mm-hmm. But she was very much getting schooled on the politics of it by the older BAME women mm-hmm. that she was meeting in Portland. Um yeah, Which was she really, was naive. Mm. I was. It was weird because she was like not naive in the sense that it was an experience that she lived, but naive in the sense that she didn't maybe like understand how and why and and the and the uh, schematic. The she, she yeah, she didn't have yeah. like the vocabulary for it to yeah. to explain what she was. And she was putting the education she was getting into her own context. Yeah, the context of her life. Yeah, mm. and it was really interesting to me that basically this whole book was her learning, her learning about. Um, kind of like uh, feminism, intersectionality, oppression, like language, like learning about all these things and clearly identifying herself as someone that had stuff to learn and didn't know anything about it. But then on the complete other side, she identified as like a bookworm, a nerd, mm-hmm. like someone who loved being in the library and like da da da. And I was just like, wait, if you identify as that, why didn't you already know this? But then I was like, but also that information's not necessarily accessible. Mm-hmm. And also if you're hanging out with white kids all the time, which is what um, yeah. Ava says she's And she's to. 19, mm-hmm. first yeah. year at college. Yeah. yeah like, um, but it was mm-hmm. just interesting to me. I was just like, oh, we've, we've, we've got our like classic book nerd YA character. Yeah. But yeah. also like completely flipped because she's like i don't know anything but maybe that's why it's yeah. good it's set when it is because yeah. it is set just before that all happens like she it's set when i was 12 like it's like yeah, yeah she can email people she's, but yeah that's she's like older the than limit us. of 
computer technology. Yeah, like mm. she's not using it to research. Yeah, she ain't um, got social media. Yeah, yeah and we we the hyper awareness that I'd argue we now have due is mainly due to the internet. The, yeah, mm. the speed with which with which we can have conversations on Twitter and then longer form that we can do on media. Yeah, mm. and like Harlow's and, task that she gave her for the internship was like research these women. She couldn't just Google them. Yeah, she yeah. had to like physically go to a library and like look up books yeah and, and hunt for them because they've yeah. been hidden yeah um but yeah i think um what was interesting for me was that like my my, my notes says um <laughs> is this a coming of age story or a coming of queer story and i think it's a bit of both because you have the classic pe- parents who in like you you tell your parents who you are they initially reject it and then they come around and you come to like a conclusion that's mutually beneficial where they understand that you're an adult so in it Juliet comes out to her family her family is immediately kind of dismissive of it her like her mum locks herself in a room and doesn't say goodbye to her um everyone's quite like this is a phase and ignores it and then she moves to this other place where she's supposed to be accepted apart from her new motherly figure Harlow is white and she doesn't completely understand or get the like race side of her identity mm-hmm. but really understands the queer and feminist side of it so she's got these two parental figures who both don't quite get her yeah so, and i think it was quite interesting to have like people who weren't related to her but being parental roles. yeah i'd like to talk a bit about white feminism mm-hmm. massive theme yeah basically this whole yeah. thing i'm just like we could just do you know what the theme that i got out of this book was like uh, is your fave problematic? Like mm. Harlow, yes. Harlow Brisbane that's is so Juliet's true. problematic fave. Yeah, and I think that's a conclusion that Juliet comes to as well because she was just like, Harlow, you're a bit racist sometimes. You have these unconscious biases, and you were racist towards me. It was like a microaggression, tokenism, like what, like you know, and towards and, her and partner as well. I can't remember. Yeah, should we explain what happens? Um, so yeah, but then also uh, like Juliet saw like, but. Harlow did kind of change my life and I can appreciate her in that way but also she gave her the initial access to Mm, the ideas yeah so in the book um Juliet writes this letter to Harlow that calls her out almost right at the beginning and says I read your book didn't know anything about that and feminism and my vagina and didn't realize any of that I didn't feel like there was room for me to breathe in your writing I didn't feel like you'd made room for people who weren't like white lady feminists yeah. <laughs> she calls yeah. them um, and she meets Harlow and everything's going really great and she feels like she's his mother figure and Harlow has loads of like BAME friends so she kind of gets that from there mm-hmm. and then the culmination of all that tension happens near the end of the book where there's a book launch at Powell's bookshop there's a book reading yeah sorry but book reading at Powell's bookshop and um, the, the um, kind oh. of other partner of Harlow and so the, the Harlow's in a polyamorous that? relationship yeah and like but, the but, other woman in yeah that. but it had fallen apart by that point and so the mm. uh, the other woman asked a very like uh, like a good question but very public and very public they were friends and it was she should have asked her privately but yeah. yes mm. but she asks her she asks Harlow a pointed question in front of all of her audience saying do you think that you um like your did you writing, do enough That's did what, you do yeah. enough are you serving the community enough? Are you only talking to people like you? And Harlow's defence is using Juliet as an example because Juliet's an intern. Juliet has enjoyed her book and and she talks about Juliet in this way that she's been brought up in the Bronx and she's you know she brought she was brought up under gunfire and she's escaped and she's safe and she's yeah she's come out of all of that fighting yeah. and she's Making got it something just sound out of like my the book. worst place in the world and Juliet feels like she's been caricatured and like she's she never said these things about her coming from a violent background or 
yeah. you know, a particularly, like, in inverted yeah. commas, bad neighbourhood. Her stereotypes of the Bronx completely mm. informed and her. And you realise that Harlow's filled in these blanks between what Juliet's been saying mm. to impress this idea of who she is. And it's like... And basing mm. using Juliet to kind of protect herself. Mm. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Well, it's that whole, yeah. like, I'm not racist. I have a racist friend. No, I have a... <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I'm not I'm racist, racist, but I'm my racist friend is. Friend, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we think yeah. I'm a racist, you should meet Jim. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but do you think... Well, I that's think... kind of like the climax of the book when that happens and mm. Juliet runs away and then does lots of learning with her yeah. cousin. Yeah. Us, and then, but then um, the two BAME uh, women in the relationship... Maxine and... Uh, Maxine Zyra. and Zyra. Yeah. Then talk to her about it and they kind of... I thought it was a really interesting attitude of like... what, Like they empathised with her but they were also like why did you run away yeah. you have to fight back yeah they were kind of like that a yes that was a shitty thing harlow did but they were like b you need to learn how to stand up for yourself mm. yeah. like but it was it also was like really... this thing of her saying that was she wasn't strange. inserting herself they didn't you didn't provide a counter narrative yeah mm. and i don't know how i feel about that because i'm also like it's not up to juliet is it i don't yeah. know but well, that's, that's, you that's can't say that in every that context still happens on twitter that like do you constantly educate people um, or do you start expecting people to educate themselves and just call them out and not... But it's mm. not even that. It's it's the There was that whole theme through the book of, like, Juliet finding her story and using her voice mm. in all of the aspects of her life and, and her identity. And I think what Maxine was getting at when she was just like, why didn't you insert yourself and provide your own narrative there, was the, was the classic, like... Um, mistake that Harlow made which was that she talked over Juliet rather than um sharing her platform with her mm. so like imagine if um like imagine if Harlow had answered that question instead of being like maybe maybe I didn't do enough but here's what I'm going to try and do xyz in the future um like Zyra what do you think Juliet what do you think mm. kind of I don't know yeah it's so hard and i think i've been in that situation a lot and like you know in to an extent all you know all the time thinking right i've got a platform how do i share it without showcasing do you know what i mean because if i'm like i've had oh today i'm just because my frog i've got a black visitor (laughs) you know like it would be you know it's this thing of of having you know when it's a platform that's your own how much can you diversify it if it's just about if it's you you know, if if I yeah. if I was like producing the BBC, <laughs> then I'd be like, this is a platform, and I need to make sure everybody's represented on it. But when you're the platform, it's harder to do it without seeming like you're being like black friend, yeah, gay friend. Can I know? just say I'm nodding my head along to all of yeah. this? Yeah, um, and it's 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 this thing actually when I think that like mainstream media is failing us a lot, and actually it's running out of money and it's running out of like attention really because some of it's really fucking boring and people have stopped buying it and reading it mm-hmm. so a lot of the platforms that we have available to the public are stuff that's personal and people stuff that people own or stuff that's them like mm. our youtube channels and it's like how do you you know i'm always trying to work out and like slowly trying to work out how to negotiate that thing of like not seeming but then again you don't be silent <laughs> but then that's where it's also like if it's an individualistic platform so this is definitely tangenting mm. But then you, your aim should potentially then be to elevate others' individual platforms, yeah. as opposed to inviting them on your inviting own. Inviting them on your own, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. So in this scenario, if 
Juliet had a book, then Harlow would have been like, hopefully would have been like, book. go and buy Juliet's book. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, anyway. You can't hit all of the points in one book. That's the Absolutely. that's the other thing as well. And like, yeah, maybe Harlow's book was a book for like white feminists mm. and like didn't really have much room, but it's one white woman writing it as well. And it's tricky. I don't want to like give her excuses because I know that there are like other like books, real books out there that we've read that were like, should the author have done more? And it's that line between, yes, absolutely, they should have researched, they should have got other voices involved, but then also, yeah, the line between that and also, there is one person that's just one book and there are other books. Like, mm. But then I guess when it's a trend or when it's not held accountable, that's yeah. the issue. Mm. Or when like BAME voices aren't even getting published yes. and things like that. Yeah, it's societal mm. as well. Um, is this like other YA we've read? Why or why not? It's our first indie YA, I think, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. As the resident person who's not a sex expert, not a books expert. Um, <laughs> it is our first. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, sorry, that that wasn't even a fucking point. It, <laughs> do you know how it's different from a lot of YA we've read? Mm. There was no tragic rape scene. <laughs> You're I mean, so... technically, <laughs> there was a bit of sexual She's assault not in wrong. it, though. Oh God, when was the sexual assault? Um, when at the beginning of Harley's reading, she was like, "Remember a time when you were assaulted?" Oh God, yeah, that yeah. Was, so it was just they just heavy. dropped. Mm. I think a lot of yeah. things were kind of dropped in and not followed up in the plot yeah. in general. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think I I'll just say now. I think the book as a whole is really important, and I'm very glad it's been published, and I recommend that everyone reads it. Um, but plot-wise, I was a bit like, what is happening here? Yeah, I think it was a little bit, like, messy in the way it was edited. Producing a book is really hard, and it doesn't take just one author and, and one person. It takes a lot of people to make a good book, I think. And we've mm-hmm. read some really amazing YA in the last, like, almost year and a half. Yeah, oh, oh, my God! Uh, 18 months, we've read some amazing YA. But that's taken, you know, amazing agents, amazing editors, like a lot of people are involved in those books and when you read an, a book like this that hasn't had that attention or that that like those layers of filtering it is going to be a bit more raw and it is going to have like plot points that aren't followed up and like yeah, holes in the there, narrative but it's very there was that one character that just like appeared in order to make Juliet feel like shit and be like a shitty man character mm. and then left and then yeah we and it wasn't yeah, really it filled wasn't out or followed up or... Yeah. and he appeared naked Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just arrived naked and then left. That's very strange. But then I guess because it's so hard to get published as a queer fame mm. author, like, yeah, that is mm. obviously a factor that we have to consider as well. Yeah, because like, but I think probably that this well, would this... have mainstream appeal. Like, I don't think yeah, it's a niche. Think... Book. It's not that necessarily about the mainstream appeal. It's more like all the business heads are probably white men or white women mm. and would they have prioritised it? Yeah, but loads mm. of the fucking business heads of movie studios are like, female superheroes don't make money and then look yeah. at Wonder Woman. So, yeah, you know, they're exactly. just always... Yeah. But they haven't had that the proof of that maybe quite yet in terms of, in terms of a similar, yeah. a similar YA book. Yeah. For me, like, I think the themes were a big wake-up call for me, but also the actual existence of it and how it's not anywhere else was a big wake-up call in general i was like we need to be taking these books in mm, yeah. <laughs> these need you know imagine yeah yeah imagine this novel really tightly edited or imagine mm. gabby's next novel her second or her third you know she's currently writing a marvel comic no way marvel have invited her to no write gabby Rivera. Yeah. no way what 
Marvel have invited her to write Miss America. There it is. Marvel hired Gabby Rivera, a queer Latina writer, for its queer Latina superhero. I'm excited for that. That's really cool. It's really cool. And Marvel reached out to her personally. They jumped in their their DMs. No, they jumped in their emails. And they were just like, we want you to write it. And she was like, me? (laughs) Um, So so I think that's wonderful. Um, Where, what um, were we talking about? I think yeah. there's, there's a passage here that I think really explains how I feel about my connection to Harlow because I feel like I am, if I'm any character in this book, I'm not the main character. I'm Harlow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. Um, yeah. And at the end, she concludes, she, say, she says, um, I see a society that, oh, sorry, I see a woman constantly working on herself. I see a society that enforces systems beyond her control, that validates whiteness, frames narratives of people of colour around poverty and violence, and propels good people into perpetuating the very structures they're trying to dismantle. And I think that's what a lot of them, yeah. um, That's, that for me summarises my, my guilt in this, and, but also my, like, determination to keep listening. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think like anyone listens to this podcast, like I know that a lot of people will listen to this and don't read the books, and that's totally that's clearly that's what we're here for. We're here yeah. to provide fun. But, but I think <laughs> this one is one yeah. that you should read. Like, yeah, and also buy it and support the, the author. Like, yeah, she's mm-hmm. great. Evidently, mm-hmm. um, I also have a very similar quote highlighted. The one thing I highlighted in this thing, it might be the same one. Like, what was so bad about Raging Flower? Ava said it was because Harlow didn't make queer and or trans women of color a priority in her work. That Harlow assumed that we could all connect through sisterhood, as if sisterhood looked the same for everyone, as if all women have vaginas. I like that because that mm. just summarized it. That's Ava's perspective. Yeah, um, and then um, and she says being in, identifying with womanhood in itself is radical, whether you have a vagina or not. Yeah, and like that was really okay. So you guys. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I just highlighted some like really deep stuff. I found one highlight of you mine. You highlighted a dick joke or something. Yeah. Else, <laughs> oh god. Classic written. Highlighted the bit where um she meets Fen for the first time and he's like naked in mm-hmm. Harlow's kitchen and Juliet goes, 
I'd never seen a flaccid penis before in real life. It reminded me of the fat slugs. Yes! Oh my god, this was That would emerge after heavy rainfall and slide along the driveway. That's so accurate though, isn't it? Does a flaccid penis not look like a fat slug? I'm just saying, I read that and was like... And that is literally Girl, the only you. thing I highlighted. <laughs> no, it's so But I don't really highlight shit in books. So. I'm surprised I didn't message either of you about that. As soon as I read that, I thought... You were like, done. We, we all appreciate yeah. this. Um, so, we've given a lot of praise to this book, and rightly so. And um, I know we basically say this for fucking every banging book club, but that's just because we're such great curators of a reading list. But this book is important. <laughs> it's not just came out my nose into that. I think I'm fine. But this book is important, important, important. Um, but... You know, books are multifaceted, and this book was definitely multifaceted because mm. there were so many different layers and themes going on in it. And there was one of them that I was just like, nope, this is not flying with me at all. And it was all of the hippie stuff. Yeah. All yeah. Of the, can we talk about the hippie yeah. spirituality stuff? Because I remember messaging you, and I was like, I can't. And Lena's like, I fucking love it. Oh, <laughs> and really? I was like, no. well, again, I feel like this book is a situation like um, when we read Catamaran, and you're like, doesn't seem realistic. And I'm like, this is so great. <laughs> For me, um, all of the words that came out of Harlow's mouth about being hippie and alternative and auras and praising the moon, blah, 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 blah. And fairies. All came from a place, came from a voice who did not believe that shit. Like, well, this and is, I evidently didn't really research it. It, mm. it sounded like someone doing a caricature. Where is, of, is Gabby Rivera from? Is she from New York? Is she from she's Portland? She's from the Bronx. Bronx. Okay, so she's from the but Bronx. But she lived in Portland for a while. That's documented in the Ignorance Yeah, because, well. so all of the bits of all of the kind of like stereotypical Portland, West Coast, mm. hippie, vegan, free love, like all of that stuff, I was just like, I, I couldn't tell. I was like, I cannot tell if the author is taking the piss out of these characters or if the author like, really believes this and this is their agenda like I couldn't like I couldn't I think it is where like so there's Juliet's Christianity crosses over with like paganist beliefs of people who are inheriting hippie culture but aren't actually part of it or whatever, whatever you want to call hippie culture. But yeah. I, but when I, because when I was in Nevada, I was there for three months, and there were so many people that would definitely speak like this. Hundred really? percent. Reno speak, is full of them. But, but and then again, like I went. And in import- this way, does that make any sense, or do they speak like it, like they have a deeper understanding of what they're talking I've, about? No, they like- don't have a deeper understanding. Of, oh, and then maybe some of them do, but like, and when I went to Portland as well, there's a lot of people who are like, honey. You just need to connect with your inner self. I couldn't like, but, no, but, but they're, they're real. It's in some ways, like, because one of my okay. questions that I've written down That's is like, almost worse. who's a caricature, <laughs> who's not a caricature? And I'm like, these people aren't caricatures. They exist in the UK as well. They're like, and I mean, there's, I would say they, you know, they're people, they believe stuff, but they in the same way that there's people who walk into churches and only want to talk about the way the altar is, or they only want to talk about some facets of it and don't really understand the whole of Christianity and aren't really interested in reading the Bible. There's people who understand hippie culture to some extent but don't really can't really understand it, like okay. can't really bother to understand it on a deep level but and, these and, guys seem like yeah. the sort of people who shouldn't who would understand it on a deep level so what do you think maybe do you think the book was yet they sound caricaturing weird. and, and stereotyping it or was it praising no I, culture I felt like it was laughing at that culture a little yeah. bit yeah oh yeah I and, definitely thought it was like which is why I was kind of looking enjoying at it, it. <laughs> rolling its eyes at it yeah but the voice of Harlow and the voice of um, the other two main female characters Maxine and Zara yeah Maxine and Zara just didn't convince me at all mm-hmm. like as people who were like it was their livelihood and had been for decades mm. evidently 
Yeah. Um, as older women. What was cool about Juliet's character is that she was, she kind of came into that environment mm-hmm. and like, it was very like realistic because of her age. She was like really willing to absorb it and then yeah. would have moments of like, what? Yeah. And then be like, oh, actually, okay, I can accept this. It doesn't have to be me, but I'm accepting that they're doing it. Or like, she accepted the acupuncture, even though she was like, mm. yeah. And I guess the period stuff as well, which she was like really reluctant to accept because she was just like, <laughs> I that was kind I, of she was just like, I want tampons and drugs. And Tala's yeah. like, I've got my period survival kit. It's just full of warm hugs and shit, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then it worked. Like she yeah. didn't feel, oh, the like imagining a color inside of you, and uh, and like the thing is, is that. Like, I do not believe that at all, but what I do believe in is the placebo effect. Yeah. yeah. And so, Same with the, yeah. like, she almost has, then, has an asthma attack and then oh, has some oil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's No, so I'm not, sorry. Like, that's but the, 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 thing, the thing about shit like that that, like, irks me and, like, makes me slightly scared because I'm like, placebo effect, great. If, 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 it, if it's not the actual thing, but it's a placebo, the, like, outcome is still the same. So, what, yeah, so who like, cares? So who cares? What's the difference? When it comes to medical stuff, though, mm. I worry because I'm like, if you're going down this like other route of like healing mm. that isn't medicine, then I get really because then I'm like, well, then you're not going to go to a doctor and you might die yeah. because you ignore. Well, I mean, like you know these symptoms, but then so I have this like, and it, it kind of ties into like you know like spiritual and like religious healers. I'm just like, holy shit, it's <laughs> is bad, um, but then. Um, I like it kind of hit me because I feel like Harlow was kind of talking to me at this point where she was just like yeah all of uh these things that I do is like part of like feminine power and then science is like this masculine thing that completely like erased any kind of like um because like witches were healers in yeah this is uh like she says that bit about how all of these things that she's talking about have been derived from decades well from centuries and centuries of human thought but completely got knocked with the advent of modern medicine. Which why is don't a masculine we still, power thing. Yeah, yeah, why don't we still explore these, yeah, directly feminine mm. um, concepts of spirituality yeah. and healing? And I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it should be written like off. We do write it off because society writes it off. We write it off because science writes it off. And yeah. like, but then, <laughs> but then we, we also write off the... Like, because they they don't ever seem to talk about medical issues without talking about self care and like mm-hmm. calmness and like and being present and stuff like that. And I think sometimes the way that we've understood ma- masculine medicine completely eradicates the mental health and only focuses on the physical health. But I don't think yeah. it does. I definitely, maybe I definitely think it did until it, about five years ago. Yeah, though. maybe. And also, yeah. even now, and then if they're it's like, we've realised that mental health is connected to physical health, and it's like, thank you, men. Yeah, <laughs> and just stuff like. Oh, you couldn't get out of bed for three weeks? Now you officially have a mental illness. Mm. Versus, but you're smiling and you can go about your yeah, day. Yeah. Thus you don't. Like, that. they're still very physical. Mm. They look for physical signs. Yeah. Mm. That, that I mean, was, yeah, yeah. Just that bit that Har- when Harlow said um, that. I wish I could I think find the quote. But... With most gender tensions, I think there's somewhere really happy in the middle to sit. And, like, while placebo is a really cool thing, I'm not going to take placebo contraceptives. Not a chance I'm willing to take. Maybe. That's what's called a placebo pregnancy. Like, you're not actually pregnant. (gasps) That's where it comes from. (laughs) Guys, I had a dream last night. 
that. You had high top mics, you had diamonds in your mouth, then diamonds on your mic. There's another Newton point in the song. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had a dream last night that I was 12 weeks pregnant. It was the most vivid dream I've had in a very, very, very long time. I remember being like, I was like low-key anxious, but not like panicking. Do you know what it was? It's because you missed your pill yesterday. I had a dream about being pregnant. That's totally. I had a dream about being pregnant this week as well. What was happening? Guys, when I I I was when I was on my no internet holiday, I had dreams about YouTube analytics. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had had dreams about emails, and I had had dreams about not being able to take a selfie properly. (laughs) (laughs) We're all caricatures of ourselves. But I'm just. I dreamed that I was really pregnant and I was convinced that I like hadn't had sex, which is a dream that I always have, <laughs> even though I have a lot of sex. Like anyway, and I'm literally, rabbits. whenever I get pregnant in my dream, I'm always swearing that I'm the fucking Virgin Mary and this must be Jesus inside of me. I'm telling my mom I've never had sex. Anyway, and so I have the I have the birth and like all these people around me being like, bash, bash. And then slowly they start getting bored because I take so long to birth this baby that they fucking walk off. And like, it's only, and then it's just me in the room. And then I push the baby out and it turns out it's a plastic toy and I accidentally swallowed it. <laughs> times the last like couple of weeks and like but it, it's kind of like like i'm a small child and i've swallowed something plastic and then i'm suddenly i'm this hyper adult my poor sister at the age of 20 still has stress dreams about the rabbit she had when she was eight because she really she was shit at looking after them so she'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like have i fed the rabbit <laughs> My favourite. <laughs> like you so dead. far failed yeah. feeding the rabbits. They're yeah, dead. Yeah, they died rum. like nine years ago. <laughs> That's anyway, so brilliant. Sorry, anyway, me. sorry. So the other thing that kind of leads quite well from spirituality and false hippiness uh, into religion, because I think um, that what Juliet has that she keeps a secret after all of her confessions and all of her, I'm like, I'm a lesbian. I'm gonna, you know, shave. I'm gonna get a cut. What did she get? Like a buzz cut. I'm gonna yeah. get a buzz cut. I'm gonna do all these things. She d- never wants to talk about this this thing that keeps coming up, which is that she feels like that God talked to her and that she had a spiritual experience with God. Yeah, which and if she... I had water in my mouth when I read that, it would have got spat right out of my Kindle. Okay, really? <laughs> yeah. Share. Uh, just because like I've been brought up a very staunch atheist, and I feel very uncomfortable around religion. Mm-hmm. Um, That's sad, man. Have you ever considered going to church? <laughs> we're your like... hippie friends that you like, dreamed you wouldn't no, have, Hannah. But here's the thing: I've, I've been to loads of church. I've been to church. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been to church. I'm also Jewish. Been to synagogue. Mm. I lived with Christians for two years. Mm, that's at, true. Two, you three were years immersed in a Christian environment. Mm. So, like, I, I'm not like I've had loads of conversations with mm. uh, religious people, um, but like people talking about like, uh, oh, like I went to church. La la. This this is that. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like fine with that. Like the moment that someone's just like, oh yeah, God talked to me. I spoke to God. I'm just like. Hmm. I feel uncomfortable. Do you know, like, I don't know how. I, don't, I just don't know what to say. I'm just like, like because in my head I'm like, I guess you bullshit. can't empathize with it. Yeah, mm. can't empathize with it. I'm just like bullshit. Like that. That's not a thing. Mm. But my my like nice Hufflepuff side of me wants to be like, cool. What's tell that me about that. Like? <laughs> when actually I just don't care. <laughs> I love you two on hormones. You're my Because <laughs> um, like, oh, I definitely okay. God. Sorry. This this makes me more sure that I believe God's a thing. Mm-hmm. God's a thing. Like, not a big fluffy man in the sky, but, like, a presence. Like, I'm spiritual. I'm not necessarily religious. Mm-hmm. Do you have, um, you have faith? Is that how you yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I can't shake the feeling it exists. Sure. Thus, I have faith. Not because I'm, like, 
absolute belief in it, but I just can't shake the idea. Mm-hmm. That's how I... So I'm agnostic, really. Um, but I can totally relate to someone having a spiritual experience and being like, mm. I feel like God spoke to me in that moment. Definitely. I've had yeah. feelings like that. Really? Yeah, and I, then, just, I have no... Yeah, but then I stopped believing in God and then I thought it was being brainwashed. And now <laughs> I've negated it in this way of being like... So you know that when you think you're in love... And sometimes you are in love because that person loves you back. And then I would count that as being in love. And then if you think you're in love, but the other person doesn't really love you, um, but you've invented this thing in your head where it's true and you feel it. And it's a, it's, it's a real experience that you have, but then you might break up with that person and be like, I just imagine that we were never really in love. What was I thinking? That's how I feel about my religious experiences. That's scarier to oh, me okay. than, this, <laughs> than Hannah's conclusion. So, so I'm like, but, that's, but that's how I reason am it. Am I in love? <laughs> no, no, no. But, but then sometimes you are. But then you, you can be in love. And then for that, if you stay in love, then it's true. And it's always going to be your reality. But if you break up with that person, you never feel like it was really real. Fuck. <laughs> and on that note, I don't know. I don't know what, what this did you was, to do with this. Like context with this book, what did you guys think of Juliet's um, bit with God? I really liked it because liked she it. talked. She never like gendered God, and she also didn't really worry when she was worried about coming out. She was never worried that God would accept her. She was worried about her family. She was mm-hmm. a bit worried. She had a bit of a prayer at the beginning. Oh yeah, she didn't she? Yeah, but I think yeah, she was like in general. I think like her Christianity was like such a non-issue for her. The one thing I did like about the religious experience bit where she actually like told the story at the end was how her priest or whatever like basically like interrupted her like godly experience by being like you're praying wrong and then she was like and then I never went to that church again and I was like yeah too right don't let that yeah. man tell you you're praying wrong I don't believe yeah. in god Juliet yeah. but like god damn it you're praying right <laughs> yeah yeah I totally am about like the individual mm. experience of that kind of thing yeah, yeah was it was like, nice to have her and also when she told she told someone she was having an intimate kind of relationship with with her head in her lap and I think she had Kira. a oh, do you yeah. talk about Kira? Mm. Kira gave there were so many shape. really intimate female relationships in and this that weren't sexual they were so up cute other than the main characters mm. there was so much going on and no one had enough air isn't that life though isn't that life jeez <laughs> not, yeah. every, not every connection's followed up not everyone gets enough air time oh. um okay the other thing i wanted to talk about was family and how that relates to race yeah. So there's people that she feels like a family and she expresses this thing where she's like, I feel like I love Harlow. She's this beautiful like friend, mm. family member. But but again, what gets in the way is that they're not related. And one of the aspects that really drives them apart is that they're not related to the point where they are like, like Harlow's white and she's not. And that's something that drives them apart. And something that while she has loads of tensions with her family about her sexuality, her family are the same race as her. And, and when she has to run from this new family, Harlow... She runs to a cousin who's a family member and who yeah. gets it and is intersectional. And Ava is my favourite character of any of the books we've read so far. This Ava's made Ava's the most great. work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How old is Ava supposed to be? Like a few years older than... Couple, yeah, like five years 21 or something. Mm. Like, she's still still in college, isn't she? So I say 21 going on 22. Mm. Um, yeah, and also just this oh, book is come close so... to Mike, sorry. Be, like, leaning yeah. Yeah. Far away. Um, this book is also so... Um, adamantly Puerto Rican in in mm. its like heritage it wasn't just literally the language used mm. like we just had to google how to pronounce titty we still don't know I think titty titty mm-hmm. I'll say titty <laughs> you say titty I say titty yeah we still like we don't know this kind of thing because it isn't yeah. our background 
Do you realise her mum was watching telenovelas? Yeah, I did. I love Jane the Virgin. <laughs> That's sorry. Shout out to Jane the Virgin. Her ethnicity and her heritage is just woven into the story completely. It's like such a huge part of her identity that is is challenged but not questioned. Mm. Um, so, yeah, through her mum's lack of acceptance of her sexuality because it is just her mum mm. basically not accepting it. Um, the gra- even the grandma's like. We love mm. you. <laughs> and her brother and turns out to be yay. Well, we, yeah. We think. Potentially. It sounded like he was questioning, but, or or it was kind of like him testing the waters coming out to mm. her. But yeah. Yeah, but everyone else in her family seemed, seemed like okay with it. Mm. It was the mum. I guess, you know, her new family in Portland are like her chosen family. Yeah. Kind of like how Ava has created her own chosen family mm. in Miami. Yeah. But are we just talking friendships? Mm. What is a chosen family? Because, like... I think that what was interesting was that they all had these, like, sexual relationships with each other, but they all recognised that their friendship was important first, so all of the older women had dated each other, but more just, like, above it, because they knew that their friendships slash family kind of relationships were more important. And maybe that's... You don't hear them talk about their families, but maybe... My parents have a group of mates that they're like that with. Oh. When I asked how they all knew each other, they were like, well, Dom was married to Jill, and then Jill married Dan, and Dan... And... <laughs> anyway, yeah. But they're all mates now. This is such a tangent. Um, it's chill. I'm, I'm really hormonal. It's um, fine. Um, and the other thing as I've got written on my list, powerful women and feminism. So many powerful we women. We wrote that downstairs. Yeah. yeah. We just... uh, have we even talked about feminism? I don't think we've really mentioned it in this podcast, and the whole book is theoretically about feminism. Does it explore feminism, really? It explores base level, like, power of pussy, like, second wave. It's very second wave. Uh, that... Holly's book, Raging Yeah, because also when we think about when it was written, it would have been published in, like, 1998 mm. or something. Yeah. Yeah. It is se- uh, like the, the end a, of second wave, right? Look at your mm. vulva and harness your feminine energy and aura and mm. blah, blah, blah. Because I think as well, like, the hippie kind of side of the feminism is that it's connected to the moon and that's obviously about having yes, periods because as well like it's this thing of people you know people introducing t- her, themselves to Juliet with pronouns and she's like what is going on which must, can you imagine that <laughs> in 2002 yeah I mean well probably it was obviously happening yeah <laughs> but like not in not in my happening, world but just not you know me and my 10 year old friends yeah yeah being like I identify um but that was like really cool to see but it's also interesting because I think like when I first learned about feminism I was one like I'm not a feminist and then I was the next stage it's like it's like the stages of grief (laughs) I'm not a feminist I am yeah and then it's like and then it's then in your head especially when you're young it becomes the feminists versus everyone else and that's how it can feel and this these microaggressions or like actual aggressions of like feminists against feminists is something that is like mm. blew my little mind again i was like what we can what what yeah i'm yeah. doing feminism wrong feminism, oh, shit the thing i thought about... i got it i thought i was with the good guys and, yeah. and i'm often not the thing about, <laughs> oh, sorry. um the main thing about like doing feminism wrong that like really stood out to me was the bit with fen like yeah. at the beginning when she's like exploring portland with this guy who's like just being really like off with her and weird mm. Mm. and um and he's the one that asks her, like, oh, what are your pronouns? And Juliet, rather, like, because, you know, it was her first day there and she was young, um, like, rather than being like, I don't know what you mean, she just kind of, like, ignored him and was, like, silent because she's like, oh, also, yeah. what does that mean? He's trying to intimidate her. Yeah, yeah, and he, and then he was just like, um, 
oh, you don't know what pronouns are. You don't know what all of these things are. Anyone like, could kill to be her intern. Yeah, why did she pick like, you? Why did she pick you? Pff, you won't last a week. La, la, la. Like, she'll figure you out. Or whatever. He was just, yeah. He was the one character I was like, you're a dick. Mm. And then, like, at the end of it, Juliet comes out being like, am I trans? What's trans? Wait, and, did she say anything about trans? Yeah, he, he uses, like, he's like... He, she, they, Z. Oh, trans- after their conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant she was questioning her. No, she she, she didn't know what it was. Oh, I see. Okay. That's what it was, because he just said trans to her. He'd just been like, are you trans? And she was like, like I don't in, know. In what transit? Am I on a bus? No. She was like, I don't know, am I? And I, I hate mm-hmm. that, because I feel like one, um, one of the things that turns people off from feminism is this, like, there is this... Uh, uh, rule book and you have to learn all of these terms and if yeah. you don't memorize all of them before saturday then you're out of the club <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know like i feel that's like that's true. this thing and actually what we should be doing is like hey you've got questions like we're not gonna like mm. uh yeah. we're not gonna punish you for not knowing stuff um we're not gonna be here to like tell you all of the time and give you all the answers and that's kind of like how i feel about us and like mm. race issues as well like um, like BAME people aren't going to be there to like answer all our questions all the time so we have to go off and do our own research mm. um, a lot of the time as well um, but shouldn't necessarily be punished for asking the mm. questions and not knowing things yeah um, yeah I think that's the thing of like knowing what you've got access to and like knowing how to allocate your time and be like now it's kind of like the the unknown unknowns the things you didn't know you didn't know mm-hmm. you don't know them to you didn't even know i feel like at the moment in the way i am with feminism is that i have a lot of known unknowns yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like i'm aware where to find it i need i've started like looking into it and researching it more i started listening a lot more in the past year i think and like but before that i literally didn't know what i didn't know well, there might yeah. be loads of more unknown unknowns, but we just don't oh, know them yet. Shit, because shit, shit. I keep learning mm. really interesting stuff like every week mm-hmm. from people, especially online, because I'll see like one person do an angry tweet about something and I'll be like, well, didn't I really see that? Because I love Twitter. I learn a lot of my shit from Twitter, but I also feel like I need to stop learning all my shit from Twitter because yeah. it's very drama fueled. Can I read a little passage that I think sums up this quite well about how... I feel about reading it anyway. Yes, um, this is right at the end of um, what Harlow says. She says, Juliet, I am a racist fucking moron. <laughs> and any white person living in this damn country, and if they, any of them tell you otherwise, is a liar and not to be trusted. You can be white and poor and racist as hell and wear your confederate flags and there's rich white people who hide their racism behind homeowners associations and luxury condo income requirements. And then there are the hippie gentrifying well-intentioned white morons like me and none of us are better than the other but like just just know that i really love you and i'm sorry about all of it and i liked that passage because i was like yep i am the third category yeah. <laughs> the one that people don't talk the about in the news hippie, gentrified well-intentioned racist yeah. yeah that's me should that be the new tagline for banging book club <laughs> hippie, well-intentioned gentrified racist <laughs> i don't i don't think it would be as popular yeah. um, <laughs> somehow i don't think so um i think we've covered everything cool roundup last question would you have sex with this book i think i would like have hot lesbian sex with this book i definitely have sex with that pool party they have yeah there's a that's so what's cool. there any really sex happening at that part ava goes off behind yeah, the bushes yeah. behind but, the house. but at the same time would not be expected to be invited to that party oh, for some way. I would, so yeah I that's so true oh, yeah, we would not there. be allowed at that party um and that's totally <laughs> fine i would have sex in the library Oh, yeah, with against the feminist texts. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would have sex in all those ways. I think the sex described here was quite hot, even though it was minimal. 
Yeah. So yeah, I would oh, yeah. We're the a fucking great in the sex book. book club and we're like, there are well, sex things in this book and we just didn't talk about them. But hey. Well, they were really hot and great. They were. Yeah, yeah if you're looking it. for a talk good sex scene, hit up this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very realistic. Um, we didn't even talk about her relationship with Lainey. Oh, yeah, sure. Very so irrelevant. Yeah. I yeah. She was just a dick. <laughs> Whatever. Let's leave that in. <laughs> Juliet had a girlfriend at the beginning of the book and then we hated she her. was ignoring her and I was like, well, I know where this is going. And then she also, sent her a white letter. feminist girlfriend. Yeah. She's a fuck girl. And then, yeah. she's fuck girl. And then she <laughs> sent her a letter being like, girl. oh, I met a girl, Sarah, and I'm in love with her. And, and then and instantly w. regrets her decision. So, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Yeah. Fucking white Okay. Thing. I want to recommend some podcasts at the end because I know this is a podcast. Like, we could, we could sit there and list, list books and YouTube channels and lots of things, but as this is a podcast audience, um, there are a few podcasts that I really like. Yeah. So, the one that I've been listening to for like a year, maybe a bit more, is Melanin Millennials, which is on the um, Shout Out Network. And it's um, two girls called Imri and. Oh, fuck. I forgot her name. Anyway. Um, it's, t- it's two girls and they talk loads about politics and they explain politics from a BAME perspective a lot of the time. They do loads of general debates on feminism and stuff and they're really cool. There's also Mostly Lit, which is um, a podcast about books. It's amazing. <laughs> it's called Mostly Lit because the oh, books really are lit. Funny. I like love it. it. So good. Also on the Shout Out Network. Um, there's one that I discovered today because I literally was like, I don't listen to any Latino podcasts. So I've been listening to Latinos Who Lunch. <laughs> Great. Which is really funny. And they talk a lot about like art and like the quality of art and what you call folk art and stuff. Um, I've got one to recommend. Yeah. Not very exciting. It's very niche. Mm-hmm. It's called Rap Radar. And I know it's... What's that about? Not what, it's literally like rap. It's like oh, right. I thought you said Rat Radar. Rat Radar. Like, no, Rat Radar. It's like a ra- rodent enthusiast <laughs> yeah. podcast. I think actually from a Bane perspective. Oh, and there's also... Um, what's that really funny comedian's name? And he is... Uh, South Asian Ramesh he's called Ramesh and he's got a great podcast British Save My Life yeah British and he gets on really funny people and they talk about their first experiences of listening to hip hop sounds good and like people like um, I want to listen to that what's her name Catherine Ryan yeah go on and they're just like I once listened to a 50 Cent album and then they talk about that for the entire time oh my god so (laughs) funny Um, yeah, I should so go on that. Would recommend those. We should play a I'm so white <laughs> game. And what's that one? I'm that? so white that when I first watched Eight Mile, I had to put the subtitles on. I'm so I white. What they were saying. I'm so white. I haven't watched Eight Mile. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Can we play an man. I'm so white bingo? Yeah. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this podcast problematic? You're gonna let us know. Yeah. No, please do. <laughs> Tweet us your issues. We're at Banging Book um, Club. Yeah. Don't forget there is always a mini sode exploring themes of each book further. Um, so we will definitely be um, like featuring reading Bane responses voices. and stuff from this um, podcast because we know that we are three white straight women, and and so the mini sode we're hopefully going to explore much deeper with some Bane voices. Yeah, like Absolutely. to elevate, elevating people's voices where we can. Yeah, because I like it. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave links to all those podcasts and stuff below. Read the book if you haven't read the book. This is the one you should read. Yeah, please buy we the say book that about all of and them. buy it. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you can. Support, and buy it. Just support it, Gabby yeah. Rivera. Exactly. If you if you're buying it, if even if you hate reading, mm-hmm. buy it to support 
urban indie artist. That's cool. You can follow us at Banging Book Club. We tweet gifts about sex. <laughs> we do. And also, if you hadn't noticed on our social media, we have a new logo. It's oh, very exciting. It it's amazing. Me and Lena have changed our personal avatars to it. Not Lucy yet. Um, uh, I did consider she's it. Too she's too classy. Should I break not, the music it's industry? Not <laughs> it's, it's not on brand. brand. It's not on brand but for Lucy. It's fine. What's the name of the wonderful woman who designed them for us? Um, Rachel Cat Walsh. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram. Definitely check her out if you're looking to commission stuff. So amazing. Stuff. Yeah. Great she women. drew some great so pictures of Ariana Grande. Yeah. Did she? Mm, so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And we're also on Acast now. And leave us a review if you want to. What One star, said. follow white feminists. <laughs> yeah. uh, One a star, star please. two stars white feminists. Um, thank you guys for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.